feature presentation. Welcome back to another untitled streaming review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved. Eric Mochin. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the Loki. Yeah, today we are reviewing not one, not two, not three, but four episodes of season two of Loki. Uh, completely spoiler free. This is going to be Eric and I's uh, initial reactions to those four episodes. Uh, we're going to keep it as spoiler free as possible. But obviously, if you don't want to hear anything about episodes you know, two through four, we're not really going to go into any plot stuff. We're going to give pretty high level dance around things, kind of impressions as we normally do. But um, we will be talking about almost three quarters or two thirds of the season of Loki. <laughs> so we're surprised are, as you, as we got yeah. this much. And and that's almost, I think a conversation just right off the bat. Why do you think we, we got four episodes because in the past, I think they're we, confident in it. To be honest, I do you I, think I, it's I mean, just confidence or do you think it's a, a way of sort of, um, I think the combating I, a little bit what's going on right now within the MCU with, with the fatigue, but also even with I think Jonathan so. I think, major stuff. Yeah. I think, uh, with getting right into it, I think where they leave us is very smart. Um, when it comes to what episodes you give to critics, like I would say you could have just given us the, that first episode. And I really feel like it was a strong pedal to the metal jumping in right from the end of last season, that would have been fine. Um, I do think it's partly that they're confident in it and they do need some, probably some good press. I don't know how other people are going to feel. I haven't talked to anyone else but you um, who has screeners, um, <clears throat> but I'll kick it off in saying that. Like I really, re and I don't take this with a grain of salt. You always hear people who get early things. All the early reactions are always like, oh, it's amazing. And then it goes off a cliff in the final two episodes or something. So um, <laughs> I really, 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 really liked these four episodes like i got up at four in the morning to watch them to make sure i could watch them before they expired um i binge watched all four in a row i i was sleep deprived from going to new york with you uh the day before i've been on you know haven't stopped doing stuff since you know the middle of august into tiff and all these things but these kind of rejuvenated me at at, at uh four in the morning and also uh, reinvigorated my excitement for the MCU. You know, this is a legacy character that's been with us for a very, very, very long time, almost since the beginning. Um, since phase one. It's, yeah, like since the second, you know, MCU movie he's been around. So like it, right? Second, third after Incredible Hulk. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> the one or, we don't talk about. Yeah. Thor was the third movie, uh, but a character that's been around since the beginning, but entering a new, you know, um, phase of the MCU, a new, um, you know, saga in the MCU and this show, you know, with multiverse of madness and other things like that, um, are supposed to kind of, uh, and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, um, are supposed to like launch us into this multiverse saga and we, it's something we've already been in. And that first season did such a good job with it. So, you know, um, I think, you know, we've had a little bit of a rocky road when it comes to MCU movies over the last little while. My interest has waned a little bit, like, and I'm a huge MCU person, so I can only imagine what, uh, casual fans I've been talking to people around and everyone kind of has that same feeling of 
just being like, yeah, they haven't been hitting lately, like at the clip that they were hitting. Um, so I'm very happy to say that, you know, I think with Loki and WandaVision in that first launch of Disney Plus shows, those are two that we really, really liked. And I think after watching these four episodes, you know, again, we haven't seen the final two. It could go off a cliff. Who knows? Um, I think it cements Loki as, you know, easily the best MCU Disney Plus show. I think it um, is easily one of the best MCU franchises now, arguably even better than the Thor movies because you've got maybe one good Thor movie and one and a half good Thor movies. Um, and now you have what seems to be two really great seasons of Loki. Um, I think Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson are phenomenal. Um, I think the production design is fantastic. Um, I love the time travel elements in this season. I think it's a, you know, it starts at a hundred and I think it never takes its foot off the gas. It, it starts right where season one ends. And I feel like the pacing is relentless through these four episodes, um, that we got. It does some of my favorite time travel stuff, um, you know, it's still convoluted and the time travel rules are all over the place and things like that. But I think it does a good job within its rules that it sets up in in giving you uh, little hints at where's it going and paying off on those little hints and things like that. Um, uh, I just I really, really, really dug these four episodes um, just to kind of kick it off uh, really quickly. Yeah, Tom Hiddleston has never been better. Um, it's such a mature performance that we haven't seen from him yet within this franchise within this world um in a way that i feel two seasons of a show and multiple movies haven't still provided him with and so when you're watching these four episodes you're finally seeing a loki that isn't necessarily connected to the rest of the MCU, this feels very self-contained within the TVA and with yeah. what's going on. I, I think the major sort of selling point of this season or what we've watched so far is it's looking at the idea of repairing and putting things together and keeping it together and not necessarily starting from scratch or rebuilding from, you know, the, the, the bottom to the top again, you know, you take what's broken and you try to repair it or put it together again, the best way you possibly can, instead of just trying to always start from the beginning again, or, you know, restart or, you know, clear everything and, and wipe away everything because there's a responsibility there and you're seeing the hero side of Loki come out, not in an altruistic way or not in a, in a cavalier kind of way that, you know, Thor and Iron Man and Captain America have kind of taken up that mantle. You're, you're seeing somebody who is starting to understand that the whole world doesn't revolve around him. Yeah. And he's actually making decisions that are about other people and trying to do the right thing for once. And when you watch that through Tom Hiddleston's performance, you can really see a pain, you know, and a sense of weight being pushed down on him and the way that he is trying to navigate being both a representative of this very tricky group of, of people in terms of this organization and what that represents, but also trying to find a new way forward with what's been given to him. I think all of that really plays into a nice kind of milieu and, and Eric Martin, who's the head writer on this show, <laughs> 
really Eric, does is under- that your pseudonym? Is that your it, pseudonym? it sure is. I'm being paid those Marvel dollars. <laughs> although I probably technically would have been scabbing if 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 I were if I truly was sure, Eric Martin. Yeah. But what he's been doing it, it, in terms of it has been focusing mostly on the minutia and the small problems that you know a, a, a corporate office or a building might have in sort of maintenance and keeping you know, everything from falling apart. And, you know, you, you get Ki Hui Kwan here, uh, as, as, as OB, who's, he is kind of playing a variation of his role in everything everywhere all at once, especially when it comes to the exposition, but the way that he does it in such an enthusiastic and kind hearted way, I think really cements him as such a really solid character actor. And you can kind of put him into any situation and it doesn't, really feel like your traditional superhero movie where it's not necessarily we're going to fight the big bad you know the big bad is a part of it and and obviously we'll talk more about uh he who remains or or kang or or whatever you want to call him and obviously victor timely or the problematic nature of jonathan majors yeah but what i like about it is that loki knows the stakes and how dire that situation is. And in the first episode, you spend a lot of it, uh, you know, him in this situation of both time slipping where he's going from one world to another or past, present, future. And that's being played up quite a bit. And the visual effects on that, I think are actually quite well done. Um, This show reminds me of miles kind of glitching out in the alternate universes too. And from spider verse, yeah, it's it's a good comparison, and and for an MCU show, the cinematography and the production design, Excellent. I think, is the strongest. Especially when you get those kind of wide angle shots or low angle shots of you know a, a room, the the automat where they go for the key line pie, or yeah. you know just the kind of the mundane working environment, but that's shot almost in a a, a wide scope kind of. Um, and the aspect ratio feels very kind of cinematic within such a mundane corporate kind of confine. And so when you're watching those scenes, they do remind you a little bit of, you know, Terry Gilliam, but also I think what the show is emulating the most, and we talked about this when we reviewed season one, is it's very much taking um, sort of points from Doctor Who, where you have kind of the fun sci-fi adventure qualities, but also you have a darker underlying yeah. sort of story arc or themes that are being played oh, out. Man, it gets dark at times. Without <laughs> getting too spoilery, and this isn't really spoiler, I'll just say this. Um, between Loki Season 2 and Dungeons and & Dragons, uh, Honor Among Thieves, cubes have never been more menacing. Yeah. Um, and so there's yeah, a so go- horrifying scene that is just like yes and it, how it's it, played i think yeah, it's, it's, it's very really it's well set done up very well in in previous episode and comes back um in a really disturbing and um you know both scenes are great when it's utilized but it's set up so well in that first sequence that that payoff for when it's used again and you'll know it when it happens um is it's horrifying, but in, in the best ways. Yeah. You, you nailed it, man. Like the production design and like the practical sets that they clearly built for this, right? Like it doesn't seem like it's all on the volume. It's not all CG. Like they spend time going, okay, with that retro 
you know, kind of look of the TVA and building out these these sets and having these long takes through corridors and um, and them walking through these practical sets, I think really, really helps. And it's something we've been saying lately, and we're hoping that more and more after seeing even we in our review of the creator or when we talked about, you know, Andor and, and, and stuff like that of shooting on real locations. And, and mind you, this all looks like it's in a soundstage and stuff like that. But it seems like they took their time to, you know, build the TVA out even though it's enhanced with the visuals outside of the windows and things like that. Um, you brought up Kihui Kwan, who I think is is fantastic as, as Ouroboros or OB. Um, I, I want to give a shout out to Raphael Casal, too, who plays Brad Wolf. Um, and, or uh, X5 as well uh, as yeah, he's X5, known. Yeah, um, X5 or Brad Wolf. And uh, he, you guys might know him from Blind Spotting. Um, he was also he in was, Bad Education yeah. with uh, Hugh Jackman. He pops up here and there. He's kind of becoming a, a bigger name uh, character was great actor. I, I really kind of liked him as this kind of smarmy, like, you know, uh, asshole. And like, but like smart in the way that he can go like toe to toe with, you know, Loki. And, and there's a really great sequence between them two. And he you kind of gets to Loki at one point. And I'm like... Um, I just thought it was a great scene and I thought I really liked him and I was like, where have I fucking seen this guy while I'm watching it? And then it finally clicked in, in blind spotting, but I thought he was, um, excellent. So I wanted to give him a shout out too. He's really good in, in that interrogation scene as you're, you're mentioning, but there is something about, and maybe this is one of the negatives of, of the script. The first episode, the way that they set him up and Kate Dickey's character docs, yeah. It, it, it comes off as very much a conservative side to the TVA where, you know, you're, you're, you're following, um, you know, the, the, the rules and, and regulations to a T and you have to follow them without any matter of consideration within, yeah. you know, the dotted lines in, in any gray zone. And then jarringly when it's set up in it, like where it's going, you think, okay, you're going to get the extremist side of, of the TVA here. And then in the second episode, you're kind of introduced to, as you mentioned, the, 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 the Brad Wolf character, the actor version of, of him. And that I found a little bit jarring because it doesn't really give you any yeah. preemptive um, notice of, of what's going on. You're kind of just thrown into that it jump, situation. It jumps ahead, right? And it, it, you yeah. have to kind of fill in the gaps of like time passes between episodes one and two. And it happens a few times throughout the series where, like I said, it, it never takes its foot off the gas, but there are gaps in time, ironically, that we don't really kind of see, right? Like it does jump ahead and it feels like it's this man, men on a mission kind of thing in each episode where it's not like, um, mission of the week or anything like that. But there are these kind of time traveling, you know, missions that uh, Loki and, and Mobius have to go on. Um, and that kind of, it does drop you right into that. And certain characters that you just met the episode before are now in, you know, they're doing different things after, you know, things I'm, I'm dancing around stuff, but yes, it's, um, it's hard not. It, yeah. It's hard not to, when, when it, it might <clears throat> lead to a spoiler, yeah. component and but I, and I get what you're saying though for sure but he's I, good I, he's very good in that role and i and i don't want to take anything away from from the yeah. actor and once you get once you fill in those blanks it's fine but it is strange when you see that first episode and how they're portraying those characters and doc still feels very much traditional to that kate dickie's character but yeah. 
yeah, his character, and I like the idea of, of somebody kind of being in it for themselves and ultimately like in every situation when they're offered an opportunity, they'll, they'll always, you know, save themselves before, you know, standing for something that's bigger than them. That that, the conversation in this show is always looking at the bigger picture and how do we also approach ultimately what this version of Loki is trying to do, right? Because this version of Loki is still that one who really, as we meet him in that first season was killing everyone in New York and was very much a villain, right? Like, yeah. And, and the idea of, of the, the, the timelines, you know, yeah. getting out of control and the TVA looking at it from the perspective of, okay, well, maybe it's not the right way to, to go, you know, yeah. are we based committing on... genocide when we, when we purge these timelines, right? Which yeah. Is, and we also interesting... were all on this timeline and yeah. had lives of our own. And, you know, like the, these are things that this move, this, this show, although I, I, that's the, the one thing I also will say, this does feel like an extended movie. Like it I does, understand yeah. there are some shows that we've watched, within the MCU that have justified having five to eight episodes or, you know, with WandaVision with it kind of playing within the different formats and mediums and decades of television with this, it does feel like we, you kind of are watching uh, an extended movie. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but I think that this could have been a two hour plus movie and it would have also gotten across everything that, it sure. has so I'm enjoying far. it so much though that I'm fine having four oh, hours of it and then getting definitely. two more hours. And and it's such a it's such a you know, you were just mentioning it before with like the timeline of of where we are now. You know, coming after Secret Invasion and oh boy. um you know, I, I liked Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. I think it's also I liked it quite a bit. It, it's the only it's, superhero movie in my top twenty-five of the year. I was just talking about this with Shaq, who I saw yeah. Saw X with. It's 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 on that level of of quality compared to the rest of the offerings that we've gotten with this new phase. But at the same time, you know that was a wrap up. That was kind of a one off thing where we're getting a continuation of a show. I, I do miss Kate Heron. I think she was an important voice within yeah. season one in building, you know, this storyline. Um, but Michael Waldron and Eric Martin and, and um, Natalie Holt, who's the composer, like they're all continuing, continuing to expand the world mm-hmm. and the production design and just the elements of, of, of what this show needs to be. And I think because it is so, self-contained even when they're moving into you know different decades whether it be in the sacred timeline or back to the tva um there is an understanding that this feels like its own thing and it's basically loki's story to the point where you really do forget that it is MCU related. It, it, it could just be a, a, a well-made science fiction storyline being played out, but the caveat being you have an MCU character being plucked from the rest of the MCU and put here. I am a little nervous because, I mean, it, it hasn't been confirmed here or there that they will fuck this up in some way because of <laughs> Deadpool 3 coming uh, down the 
down the pipeline and TVA being involved in that involved in it. And that scares me a little bit because personally Deadpool, I just despise. Um, So for something I like so much, I don't want something to be tangled in crap. I don't know if Loki, I think the TVA can be a presence in these things, especially like, and just to jump in, not to cut you off, but I want to jump in on that point because you're making a good point where I agree with you that this feels like its own thing. Like you don't really need to you could watch Loki season one and season two and not watch the rest of the MCU. I think maybe there's a lot of added uh, benefit of at least watching the Avengers movies or the Thor movies or knowing Loki's story before um, you watch the show. But I agree with you that it does just feel like a good sci-fi show with time travel elements and you know multiverse theory and stuff like that. However, I will say that I do think the show's doing a good job uh, that it's not shoving down your throat like, hey, shared universe. You go, oh, look at all this. Here's a character from this. Here's this. Remember, M- you guys love shared universes, right? And you're like, but I think it's still doing a good job at being a part of that overall universe and, and doing the multiverse thing better than multiverse of madness or or quantum mania in the sense that those really felt like here's all these references we have to throw at you. Here's all this kind of convoluted xyz and don't get me wrong there are convoluted moments in in this but i think it it does simplify its time travel stuff to just focusing on loki and his and his story on this that it the time travel stuff i think works really really well in this but i do think like without forcing it it's doing a good job of setting up you know the multiverse saga without having to be specific i mean we haven't touched on that much of Jonathan Majors and uh, being in this and and playing Victor Timely, which was set up as the post credit sequence um, in uh, Quantum Mania, right? One of them. Um, yes. And so that that is still setting up a lot of that story. I think just the branch timelines and the sacred timeline and the idea, like it does a really good good job, at, like especially the casual viewer. Thanos was so easy to follow, right? Like the Infinity Saga, get all the stones, he can kill everyone, right? Like it's the simplest thing. When you have to start explaining multiverses and and the sacred timeline and which version of these characters is your version that you um, have been watching and do you should you care about these other versions of these characters or these other timelines? Like I think the show is doing a good job at however they're going to end up of whether it crams all these timelines back into a new sacred timeline or having these branch timelines. I think it is doing a good job of explaining the multiverse and the concept. And we'll go more into that with, you know, what they set up at the end of Dr. Strange with, um, what do they call them? Like the converging timelines. I think there's a name for it in the MCU when they like converge together. Um, I'm blanking right now. My brain's mush, but I think the show is doing a good job for the MCU multiverse saga without shoving it down your throat is the, I went there along the long route, but eventually yeah, it's there, there, but it's not necessarily advertising it yes. in a way that like, yeah. look what's coming. Like, like we're you getting to the next Avengers to movie. Char- yeah. You have reference references to other characters and I, and things like that. But mostly the biggest thing is, yeah, Victor timely being a key part of this series. Uh, we and don't have to go into the, <laughs> yeah, we don't have to go into the, you know, everyone you go look up, Jonathan Majors and you'll get all of that stuff. Um, I think this show, what it doesn't do a good job at um, is me caring about 
Kang or Victor Timely or me thinking, not that this show is supposed to make you think that he is a, you, you know, uh, uh, a force to be reckoned with or anything like that. But like some of the things I felt in quantum mania where I'm like, he doesn't feel very threatening. I don't know. He if got beaten by Ant-Man. Of yeah. course he's not threatening. And I don't think that you're supposed to think Victor Timely's threatening, but I think what you know, because you met he who remains at the end of season one and you know what he um, said and, and what's coming and then what's teased in the in the king what are they called the kingdom of kings or whatever the hell they're called the, <laughs> the um, kingdom yeah um at the end of quantum mania again it, it's just it they're not doing a good job at selling me on kang the conqueror <laughs> like as a, just, as 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 a big as a, bad in the way yeah. that thanos was as a menace that is kind of the, and I know this is like a quantity over quality thing, maybe, but like it's you're just gonna get a lot of a him. Kang, and, a kangdity over quantity. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, trying to trying to come up with some sort of pun. Um, yeah. yeah, when when you're watching the three versions of Kang that we've gotten, I think the strongest one has been He Who Remains oh, because that yeah. version was kind of burnt out and at his wits end and kind of like, I'm over this. At the literal I'm done. end of time. <laughs> yeah. I'm literally um, checking out. See ya. Um, where with Victor T- timely. Yeah. He's supposed to be at the beginning and it's also supposed to show you a reflection of like, okay, well, Loki was given a second chance at the yeah. TVA. So can we give this tyrannic, Tyrant, even though uh, we know uh, what he becomes and what he does yeah and and the stuff with with sylvie you know playing and and that's the other problem sylvie yeah sylvie is so poorly written um and also frustratingly so because you know that the character is supposed to be smart is supposed to be clever supposed to be a variant of loki but there are certain things that the character does in the first season and in this season that feels like it's serving the plot in order to move certain pieces of the puzzle to get to a certain, you know, end game Point, or end goal yeah. um, where it feels out of character for who and what she is as a person or as a God. And there are choices that she makes that are just like, you want to do that, you know, slap of the palm on your head kind of thing where it's like, okay, there's no way that Sylvie wouldn't have not noticed this or would have done this. It just feels like she's become a plot device more so than a character. And it's yeah. so frustrating when you have this really wonderful speech between her and Loki in the automat later on that feels like, okay, you're, you're, you're giving the actor who plays the role, uh, Sophie De, D'Amato, I, I believe. DiMartino. DiMartino. Yeah. This great monologue. And she is good in the role. She has a great presence to her. But the way that they write her and the it's choices that they- not given a ton they, to do and- Well, the, and, the, the choices that they give her yeah. to, to, to make, it doesn't feel in tune or in step with the character of Sylvie. And so when yeah. you're watching- her make those choices you're just thinking to yourself this feels like it's betraying who she is still two episodes all push back on that where i feel like that's still plenty of time uh, they could have been saving some of that for these last but i'm talking about stuff like, that seems to be i know like, i know yeah there's stuff i don't want to but the relationship she has to renslayer yeah. I, I i think some of that feels like okay that's the screenwriter here um 
not thinking about the character and thinking about how do we get to this moment or how do we bring sure. this back into a situation instead of thinking, okay, this is how this character would actually handle the situation. And, and it just, it feels like it betrays her as a character. I like the idea of her like working at a McDonald's in 1982, Oklahoma. I, I like the I'm stuff. I'm not with- bothered by that. I like, I, cause some people will be like, why do I have to be a McDonald's product, pl- blatant product placement? I'm like, I love seeing retro fast food places and like sure. retro products. And I'd rather like, that than McDonald's. Set it fucking McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, who cares? McDonald's exists. She's going to hide out at a McDonald's. Who cares? I'm like, it's yeah. better than like in a Transformers movie when a, a Bud Light truck flips over and spills Bud Light everywhere. I'm like, I'd rather be a set piece and like make it a part of the story. And like, I don't know. Yes. Is it, you know, Dairy Queen was used in, in guardians and stuff. And then there's tons of product placement in the MCU, but like, I, it didn't bother me at all. I thought it might be something. Cause I, i saw people tweet about it even when they were doing the promotion, uh, for that whole as seen on thing. And I'm like, I don't know. It's the MCU guys. Let it have a scene at a McDonald's. Who cares? <laughs> like I it's like not, the retro design of the deal. McDonald's. It, it brought back, like it was very nostalgic seeing one of those old McDonald's. Um, uh, had a farm. Um, but then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, no. uh, I thought, yeah, I thought I liked her kind of working there. And, and, and again, it, I think the time travel stuff in the show is really clever and fun. Yeah, and even the stuff at the Chicago World's Fair. I, I, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of of Victor Timely as a character, but setting it in in a place that is, like, it was just fascinating when they arrive there. When you have Tom Hiddleston and and Owen Wilson, God, they're character. so good together too. They are, and and Owen Wilson is so likable that when you know Mobius sees something positive in someone else. He, I think he brings out a lot of sort of the, the the better characteristics of Loki, and that's kind of why you've seen this change in these two seasons. But them referencing, because Martin Scorsese actually was going to direct a movie, and then he was going to turn it into a TV series uh, called uh, uh, The Loki. Devil in the White... Um, <laughs> What's it called? I'm, why am I drawing a blank on this? I'm sorry. Maybe Matt can look this up as I'm talking yeah. about it. But it's a Chicago-based, um, the Chicago's World Fair, and it was a series, and, and it was going to be a movie, um, and it, it, Catherine Bigelow was going to direct it at one point. Todd Field was going to direct an episode. Oh, Devil uh, in not- the White City? Yes, and so they even mention um, the serial killer that kind of used that as a stalking ground. Uh, I think it was like J.H.H. Holmes or Holmes? Dr. H.H. Holmes, yeah. Yes, and so them mentioning that, I was kind of – I was I was surprised because usually kid-friendly or, or, or audience-friendly stuff wouldn't maybe mention that, and I thought that sure. that was kind of interesting as well. Not that it was just like necessarily a slight against Scorsese, just that – that location, that moment in time was such a big historical place for invention. Yep. And well, so even them- in the MCU of that leading into the Stark Expo and stuff like that. I know the World's Fair is a very real thing, but we've seen the Stark Expo a couple, you know, times and in, in the MCU. I even liked that. And I was like, oh, it would have been cool if that. And then I'm like, wait a minute, no Stark would have been alive back then. Or I mean, at least not Howard Stark. Well, maybe his an- one of his that. ancestors. Yeah. But then I'm like, you can't force that of like, there's a Stark Expo and his great, great, great grandfather or some shit. But I'm like, I, li- yeah. I like the World's Fair sequence as well. Um, shout out to Tara Strong as Miss Minutes, who's as creepy as <laughs> all hell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, um, I, I love Miss Minutes and how that just works 
in this show. Um, I like that, you know, we talked about Owen Wilson, but oh, there's some great lines of Owen Wilson, like um, just calling out certain aspects of the show too, of Mobius just kind of like playing, like it knows that you're two steps ahead of them and you're going, well, okay, there's a cartoon clock or there's this X, Y, Z and they're refer. It's all very self-referential in, in certain pieces of humor, which I actually uh, liked quite a bit. Um, what else haven't we mentioned? We touched on, yeah, uh, Victor Timely not being like, it, it, my point before we got on to Sylvie was that I really didn't like that post-credit scene in Quantum Mania with the, 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 kingdom of kings there's a name for it it's not kingdom of kings what is it like council of <laughs> kings i think it's council of kings um something like that uh but that that group of them it was just so um uh, cartoony to me of jonathan majors and all these different like things doing all the voices and the mustaches and like it wasn't that that was a horrible thing <laughs> whatever i just it almost sounded like you were but, doing like, like a constipated Watto. Yeah. i mean i wouldn't be surprised if he did a voice like that though but like ev- all these different kangs that he's doing it just felt so silly and then so when you see victor timely and it is played up because even that whole the whole world's fair sequence is pl- very played up, but um, yeah, I just, it doesn't work and it, it reads goofier than it reads like Austin powers to me or like, you know, like Mike Myers. Parody, doing, uh, basically. Yeah. Like when you have a guy doing all these different characters with a lot of different ha- wigs and, and facial hair and all this kind of cost elaborate costuming. It just, it screams parody and like it screams like, the just, master of disguise. Yeah. And it just doesn't <laughs> work for me. So it's, I'm having a hard time, you know, finding Kang or he, I, I really do like he who remains and I liked Kang the conqueror elements of him from quantum mania, but I, I just, it's not coming together and maybe it's, you know, Kevin Feige's master plan and it will eventually come together. But that's the thing I'm having the hardest time with in this. And, um, I like to your point that there's not necessarily a villain in the show. It's just the leftovers from what happened of, of, you know, killing he remain he who remains having a hard time saying that at the end of last season, um, and dealing with just fixing the TVA. Um, and I like Owen Wilson when he says like he who remains, uh, it sounds like last man standing. Like it's, it's like, that's pretty, that's the kind of humor that I'm talking about, right? Like it's calling out some of those things that I think is, is actually quite funny. And I laughed out loud from lines. Owen Wilson delivered like multiple times, um, throughout the show. And it's, it doesn't feel like in that sitcom way either. like Owen Wilson's so relaxed that it's just yeah. like it feels so natural and it and it just works completely. Um yeah, I don't know. Is, is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we wrap up? Like I think we pretty much covered. We're trying to dance around a lot of stuff. There's a lot of different things in these four episodes. I will say they leave it at a really intriguing point and i understand why they gave us four and didn't give us the penultimate uh episode or anything like that like they leave us at a big cliffhanger um i now go f- i i'm very we're very privileged gotta wait until to november to i know that's basically what i was gonna say is like we're very privileged i'm very grateful you know to do this with you and to get things early and stuff like that but they leave it at such a great cliffhanger that i'm like fuck i gotta wait till november now and i know like i had to wait 
however many years before uh, Loki season one to season two. So that's not that bad, but um, that's telling you something. If I'm going like, oh shit, I cannot wait for the next episode. Like, I don't think there was once in Secret Invasion that I was like, can't wait till next week. It was more like... (laughs) Oh God, I gotta, I gotta watch this now. And like that, that's unfortunate. Uh, but this, I cannot wait for episodes, uh, five and six. Like I really, really, really liked them. And that is the truth. Yeah. Same. I haven't even, you know, finished secret invasion because the episodes that we we saw for, for review, um, I just felt burnt out by that point by the MCU. And it was like, it's okay. Maybe not to watch everything right away. And I just never got back to it. But with this, I'm probably ever have to watch it. You're fine. You can watch one of those recap things before even captain Marvel coming up, like the Marvels. I'm like, you don't, you don't need to, you already see in the trailer where, you know, he is. So it's like with Sam Jackson, it's just like, uh, you don't need to know anything. But yeah, this this show so far has enough going for it where you do feel invested to watch it as appointment television. Um, so when it comes to November, for those you know final two episodes, and which is also we've talked a lot about this, you've been very adamant and, and happy about it that oh you know they're God. they're showing these episodes uh, not at midnight Pacific three in the time morning. or three in the <laughs> yeah. morning Eastern standard time, but you know, nine or 6 PM and, and allowing people to watch this as, as prime time television or prime time streaming um, is great because it feels like you, you get the community and the casual watchers all together watching this thing as it's unfolding. And you can talk about it the next day, but then also be, you know, primed and and prompted for the next episode or the finale and and so that i think also is a very wise move on disney plus's part to to have that and they should continue to do it because it it also just helps with you know not not having to wake up at 3 a.m or avoid social media until you've watched uh the episode if you if you don't want to be spoiled by it but going back quickly to like that tie-in with with deadpool 3 or or potentially if it does why I was referencing that as well is because with WandaVision, it did tie into um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And that soured my opinion a little bit on WandaVision because WandaVision was such a strong standalone series that the elements that kind of tied into it also betrayed, I think, a little bit of, of, of Scarlet Witch and, and Elizabeth Olsen's performance in WandaVision that it just felt like, okay you know, these bridges to these, you know, shows or movies can, you know, hurt them a little bit because they're, they're so intertwined or connected to a certain extent. And what you said, I, I, I think it's, it's a good stance to have where it's like, it's not necessarily, you know, directly connected to it. And and Deadpool will probably do its own thing. But the way that you were talking about, like, you know, Loki doesn't reference all these other things or doesn't have all these other kind of like meta social oh, commentary. Deadpool, Deadpool three is going to have that. And you know, it's going to have that. And so Which I'm that's not, not everything needs like I, I, with Deadpool. I'm, I'm fine with it. Cause I, like, I, I don't hate Deadpool like you do. Um, I, I like those two movies, but I, I think it's a smart way of, keeping the continuity of 
uh, the X-Men films and the Deadpool movies and having the TVA be that through line to bring in some of those characters to our MCU um, and those timelines converging and splitting off or crossing over. Like I, I do think that that is a clever way of doing that. Um, not sure. I just don't want Deadpool in season three. I don't think we'll get that. I don't think we'll get, I hope not. Or I hope we don't get that tone of Deadpool in a future season of Loki because I feel Loki is its own thing. Using the TVA as an entity, um, that will, you know, I think bridge a lot of this multiverse stuff, right? Like I, I really, it's an easy way of having, those glowing yellow doors have how to get through different universes and, um, and having the TVA show up and, and Deadpool be very self-referential to it all and bringing Hugh Jackman's like, you know, that he'll probably get a hold of one of those things. And that's how he ends up jumping through the universes and getting, you know, uh, Wolverine from Logan before he, he dies. Right. Like, I think you'll have shit like that going over and meeting other X-Men characters. There's already rumors after SAG's done that they want to have Daphne Keene come back as like an older X-23 and, um, and jumping over different X-Men franchises and having, there's rumors of other X-Men characters cameoing in that movie too. So I like the idea of, um, I always like the comic book uh, Deadpool kills the Marvel universe. And like um, if it is Deadpool going around and having to like, I, I don't know what it, it, who knows what the hell is it going to be. Um, and with Sean Levy doing it, I, it, it'll probably be more free guy or um, than than real steel, but like, yeah, or something like that. But and it still have that Deadpool tone to it. But um, I don't know. I'm not worried I mean, the 20th Century Fox logo buried in the sand, th- those leaked photos and stuff like that. I'm all for it. So, like, it's I'm not funny. It's me. so not it's, funny. It, you don't know until you see it, though. You don't know. I can already tell it's not funny. You it's can't, like, you it's can't like, go in with that mentality, though. Like, you really can't. Like, I just I, think that if you don't like the character, though, and you don't sure, like the I, you tone, can go it's in hard with, to penetrate that or be oh, won absolutely. over by it. You know, it, it's, it's like seeing it's, Saw 10. If you didn't like the first nine, or, 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 com- like or a comedian. Like if you watch sure. a comedy based around a comedic personality and you don't like their style of humor, then it's going to be harder for you to enjoy anything about it. Or at least you kind of try to focus on other things within it. I just like that Loki's its own thing. And, and, and there is a, a certain aspect, and I think maybe you could compare it to it a little bit because there is one plot line that does feel very similar and also both of them deal kind of with like the office space and kind of the the work aspect of it all um there's a chicken and egg question in loki that comes up um that's kind of interesting but it also feels very similar to season one of severance where there's a conversation about you know the meaning of something might not have the same importance to people that work within one structure or one environment, but if it moves or has been given to someone else, maybe it does. And maybe that book becomes scripture to them. And that reminded me a lot of, of severance as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I liked some of like you're, you're tiptoeing around it, but I do like it's time travel theory, which, 
but you know what I'm where I'm referencing with yeah, like, the am, severance yeah, yeah. and yeah yeah, no, yeah. No, I I kind of do. Uh, I'll talk to you off off air about the exact things because severance. I'm yeah. a little hazy. It's been a while, but um, it's been a while. I know they were having problems with season two. Anyways, um, really, oh, and Benson and Moore had directed a couple episodes of 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 this. We should as well, say and- that they kind of took over for Kate Heron. They don't direct all of the episodes. It's split up between. Um, a few different directors, uh, Benson and Moorhead direct the, uh, the first episode. They also direct, um, I think they directed four and then I think they're directing five. They might direct four five and six and they might've brought in, um, as Dan DeLilu, uh, who I think is like a special effects supervisor and a sec- usually a second unit director for the MCU. Um, I think he directs an episode and then, um, they bring in, um, I'm trying to get the other people's names, but there's a couple different directors. Sorry. I don't have everyone's names. They're not all listed yet on, um, on, uh, Wikipedia and different places, but yeah, no Kate Heron, Eric Martin does, um, not Eric Marchin, but Eric Martin <laughs> does either write or co-write every episode. Um, so he is, you know, taking over from Michael Waldron as like the lead writer. And he was on season one in a, um, he wrote some of the episodes and helped write um, season one. So he kind of takes over those duties. So, and I think he does a great job, but yeah. Um, with Benson and Moorhead. Um, yeah. I think, I think everyone here is more like, you know, the first season set the tone to what the, you know, the director's vision is for the series. And they're kind of just following that, formula i do think that you know it's um i i mentioned some uh kind of shots some single takes throughout these kind of um uh you know sets that they built and things like that and um you can tell that it looks slightly different from a direction standpoint but i think for the most part it just continues the look and feel of the first season and they're more no, I don't want to just say guns for hire, but they kind of are in this case. Like, I don't see anything they had in Moon Knight <laughs> carrying over or anything like that. I don't know. Did you? No, or even their films. I really like yeah. Spring, but I didn't care for Synchronic with uh, Anthony Mackie and, and yeah, Jamie Dornan. Yeah. Um, but it it does feel like, and there's nothing wrong with being a work for hire. It's that like they get no, the job I mean, done. It looks great. We've mentioned that. Like it, it does feel like they do there a good is a job. Practical I mean, I mean angle that, to yeah. this, which is appreciated, and that kind of tactile, old fashioned uh, artifice, I think, really works within the TVA and just it being a place that time doesn't touch or time stands still when you're in the actual uh offices of of this building but even then it's being sort of infiltrated by the events of uh the four episodes that we were watching and seems to be in this season and and that getting away from even season one of loki which you know it had to do a lot of the heavy lifting of you know bringing this version of loki that we saw um you know kind of be taken out of of the end game slash the first avengers movie and then you know building it into his own narrative or, or creating his own timeline within the TVA and his own identity. So now you've gotten away from all that stuff completely where you can kind of now just, they can just kind of do their own thing. And so I think that's even more weirdly freeing in this season where it's like, okay, you can really just expand it's upon this Loki story. Not, yeah, yeah it's not, 
having to deal with everything else. Um, yeah, really love the episodes. I hope you guys do too. It premieres uh, this Thursday, which is October the 5th. Um, it will be at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, I believe on Thursdays moving forward. So you have October 5th, 12th, 19th, 26th, November 2nd, November 9th for the um for these six episodes. So I uh, can't wait for people to see them. Can't wait to talk about it with everyone. Um, can't wait for those final two episodes. Um, I'm, I'm not saying the MCU's back because we don't know. We'll see with the Marvels and things like that. And if all this multiverse stuff um, pans out, comes together. And I say back when I really liked Guardians 3, I liked Wakanda forever. Like there are little glimmers of of you know greatness i think in phase um phase four and into you know phase five now but um yeah man i even i will say before we end even the marvel studios logo it's not played like again they do some i i think some fun stuff with the um the the theme of marvel studios uh the logo with this which i always love but we get the full real marvel studios fanfare um, in episode two and I was like, Oh God damn. Like, I don't know if we got it in guardians or, but it felt weirdly like, Oh, I'm like excited to hear that fanfare. And it's not that it's been so long. Like I, I forget in quantum mania, but maybe that movie I was just so soured on. And then in <laughs> guardians, I think it just plays creep. So it doesn't really, you don't hear the fanfare. Right. And then in secret invasion, they did that really quick version of the Marvel studios um, logo. Every episode. Cause it's dark um, and edgy. Yeah. Um, where, when I heard the Marvel studios, the dun, dun 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 and like the whole thing like i was like oh i'm like excited to hear this again which was a good sign um and i i think slowing down a little bit which which they're doing you know we still we're still getting three movies this year and multiple series so it's not like we're slowing down that much and we have three more next year three more next year i don't i don't know if we're gonna get three more next year we probably won't deadpool no way is coming out in may (laughs) There's no way, right? <laughs> like, no, and then um, who knows what's happening with Blade anymore? So, um, and and all that stuff. So, whether we get Deadpool three, Captain America, and Thunderbolts all next year, like Thunderbolts hasn't even started shooting. I think Captain America is the only one that finished shooting, right? So, yeah, that one I think we probably will get. But, anyways, I wanted to end with saying like, oh, I, okay, I have some excitement. I'm looking forward to the future. This kind of rejuvenated me after. Because after Ant-Man and then Secret Invasion, I, I'm like, who, no, no. So good for them. Um, we'll leave it at that. We're not going to put a score on it. We never do when it's incomplete like it is here. Um, so we'll leave it at that. And then maybe when the season's over, we'll revisit that. Um, thank you all for listening or watching. We really do appreciate it. Um, we have a ton more stuff you guys can check out right now. Um, Eric has a fantastic interview um, with Chelsea McMullen and Sean O'Neill, who are the director and producer of a fantastic um, little documentary called Swan Song that we saw at the Toronto International Film Festival. Uh, so you can check out that interview over on the Untitled Movie Podcast channel. Um, you can also check out our review of Swan Song over on Untitled Movie Reviews, as well as our other TIFF reviews for movies like 
uh, the holdovers, next goal wins. Speaking of uh, MCU, not oh, it, next goal wins isn't in the MCU, but Taika Waititi directed that. Uh, dream scenario, zone of interest, uh, Lee fitting in, days of happiness, Dick's the musical, perfect days, more, uh, and we'll have more TIFF reviews. We're gonna be slowly like trickling them out. Um, as we have time to record more, but we have a lot more that we saw at the festival that we want to do reviews for. So uh, keep an eye uh, for those uh, on the Untitled Movie Reviews uh, channel, which are on right now if you're on podcast services. Uh, we should have a review up for Saw 10 or Saw X uh, this week. Um, I can confirm that I have seen it. Eric has seen it. I went to go see it with our friend Shaq. Um, Shaq, I think will be joining us for that review for a full spoiler filled review, uh, probably on Wednesday. Uh, so as you're listening to this, uh, I think the embargo breaks Tuesday, um, for this. So if you're listening to this right away, uh, our saw review will be out sometime this week. So tons of stuff, uh, one-stop shop for everything. Head over to letterboxd, which is untitled underscore movies. And you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. Yeah, and uh, we'll also talk a little bit about uh, our New York trip, uh, possibly on an upcoming episode, but there will also be down the line, maybe not right away, maybe closer to the release, an interview with May-December director Todd Haynes. Yeah, yeah, we'll go over our New York trip, which was really, we saw May-December, it was very quick, it was like, <laughs> uh, we'll have a review. We had Shake Shack, though. We got a lot, we'll talk about the whole trip, we walked around the Upper West, Upper west side um and we eric got a delicious uh cereal milk uh latte um i got um way too much dunkin donuts <laughs> um we'll talk about all this stuff as well as some tiff roundup as well on the newest episode of the untitled movie podcast which should go up this week maybe early next week we'll see yeah. And so you can find me on the social medias at EM6211. Uh, my reviews are also available on rogerstv.com uh, slash cinemascene. There's an episode right now. Uh, if you want to preempt your Saw 10 experience on uh, Untitled with uh, Matt and Shaq and I talking uh, preemptively about TIFF, but then <laughs> going into Saw 10. Uh, so that is available as well. And I'm sure we'll get into the nitty gritty when it comes to um, what works and what doesn't. So uh, Saw 10, I can never escape Saw. <laughs> I, can't, I can't escape. You never will. Uh, until next time. Everyone's doing it. The Loki Motive. Bye, everybody. <laughs>